There is you are seated. If you open your Bibles with me to the book of Acts chapter 24. Acts the 24th chapter. And we're going to read a few verses from this chapter, verses 22 through 25. And I've just felt a, a, a quickening of the Lord to share this thought with you today. Not only since we're having a baptism, but I just feel like the Lord wants to speak to us today through his word. We're also so very glad that our bishop is here with us in service. Can we thank the Lord for him? We thank God for our bishop and his wife. He's going to be baptizing by request of the family, so we're so glad that he is joining us for worship today. Acts chapter 24, beginning at verse number 22. I'm reading from the New King James, and this is how it reads. But when Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings. There were court proceedings, really. And said, when Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will make a decision on your case. So he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide for or visit him. And after some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. That was Paul's message. Paul was making his case before Felix. And those were the three points that he covered in his message. Righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. What kind of message that, that would have been, right? It didn't say love and grace and mercy and all that good stuff. He said, I'm going to preach to you. He said, from righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. And because that message was powerful, look at what happened. Felix was afraid. That must have been a good preaching. And answered, go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. I'm not going to try to replicate the powerful message that Paul preached, but I do want to draw a principle from here and preach to you for a little while, if you'll allow me, from the subject, waiting for ideal conditions. Waiting for ideal conditions. Years ago, I saw an advertisement for a company called Accenture. And it featured an image of Tiger Woods, the golfer. He is one of the most popular and successful golfers of his generation. And what I loved about that, if you'll show the picture on the screen, what drew my attention was that it shows Tiger Woods about to putt. It's raining hard. It's not prime golfing conditions. He's trying to putt the ball in a certain way. And the caption over that advertisement that I saw said, waiting for ideal conditions is rarely an option. He could have very easily have said, I'm just going to wait for the storm to pass because rain and golf doesn't mix. But he decided, you know what, it may not be the most ideal time, but I'm going to do what I got to do. And it caught my attention when I saw this advertisement that waiting for ideal conditions is rarely an option. And that is the message that God has given me today. That if you've been waiting for ideal conditions to take a step in God, you might never take that step. Why? Because there will never be ideal conditions. There will always be some reason that it's not the time to surrender to God. There will always be some reason that this is not the service to go to the altar. There will always be some reason that today is not the best day to crucify my flesh and surrender to his will. The lie of the enemy is that tomorrow will always be a better option. 
that next week is a better choice, that next year will be the time, that, that after I finish school and after my teens and after marriage or after retirement and, and after this and after and after, but the simple fact is that each day has its own fresh supply of excuses. I'll say that again. Each day has its own fresh supply of excuses. Each season of life has its own brand of delay. Each chapter of your story has the same reason that you'd be better served to postpone the decision. When I saw this advertisement, I froze in my tracks. And, and this was a while back, and I, I really had, had never preached this before, but the Holy Ghost brought it to me recently and spoke to me. And I felt God to speak to me, to tell me, tell my church that waiting for ideal conditions is not an option. I felt like the Holy Ghost told me, tell them that this is the day that I have made and we should rejoice and be glad in it. I felt like the Lord told me, tell them that today is the day of salvation. Tell them that this is the service I've designed for you and that waiting is not an option. Look at somebody and tell them waiting is not an option. Paul has been arrested by the Jews and rescued from their hands by the Romans. Had it not been for the Roman intervention, Paul would have already been tried and convicted under the corrupt Jewish legal system of that day. The Roman authorities have delivered him to the governor named Felix. And Felix holds him for five days until his accusers can be gathered and they can hear the case brought against the Apostle Paul. But Paul presents his defense. And this is what he says in Acts chapter 24 and verse number 14. Watch what he says here. He says, but this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect. Paul was referring literally to the church. And he was using a term that the community and society was using. You see, the church didn't get together and say, what should we call ourselves? No one did an Instagram poll and say, all right, let's pull it out. Which name works the best? The first apostolic church of Antioch? The first apostolic church of Jerusalem? No, 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 no. The people themselves noticed their lifestyle. And they just started calling them the people of the way. And I like that because it wasn't one of the ways, it was the only way. And so Paul says, according to the way, you know, which, which everybody is calling a sect. He says, so I worship the God of my fathers. Believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. And at the end of Paul's defense, Felix decides he needs to hear from the Roman chief captain. The one who had actually taken Paul into custody. So until he can bring that man down, he commends Paul into the care of a centurion. During that time, Felix and his wife, Drusilla, they call for Paul to come and explain his faith to them. And we read it, he reasoned according to the scriptures, righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. When Paul does so, the Bible says that they're moved. The Bible says that Felix even trembles when he hears Paul's words. I'd like to pause just long enough to point out that there's a difference between being moved and moving. I'll say that again. There is a difference between being moved and moving. What are you trying to say, Pastor? A lot of folks are moved by the word. A lot of folks are moved by the worship in a service. 
A lot of folks are moved. Wow, preacher, that was such a moving message. But yet they don't move. I pray today that you walk out of here and not just say that it was a moving message. I pray you walk out of here and say something in my life moved. I moved closer to Jesus. I moved into repentance. I moved into deciding to be baptized. I'm moving into greater service. Does somebody really want to be moved today? I just don't want my emotions pricked. I just don't want my heart to be touched and moved. I want to move in the direction of God. I want to move into a closer relationship with him. My concern is we have too many people that are moved. But they themselves won't move. Felix, the Bible says, was moved to the point of trembling, but he made no move toward God. In spite of his emotions, there was no response of the will. Nothing in him really changed. Nothing compelled him to do anything different. Nothing about the experience affected him when Paul returned to his cell. Once the service was over, once the service, the sermon became a memory, once the song the praise team had finished singing drifted from his mind, he went right back to the way that he was. I feel an urgency in my spirit here today. I felt it all week long. I don't know how many more services we're going to be able to have. I don't know how many more services you're going to be in. But I don't want this just to be a memory. I don't want this just to be a moving experience. It's my prayer. And then my prayer all week for you that are hearing me today. That you be moved towards a decision. That you be moved in the direction of destiny. That you be moved and give your life to Jesus. But after hearing one of the best preachers you could hear, Felix went right back to the way he was. I've seen people moved. I've even seen people tremble with hot tears running down their cheeks. But when the emotion of the moment was over, there had been no real change in their lives. What was it that kept Felix from making a change in his life? Why did he not at that moment repent? Why was there no immediate response to the tug of the spirit? Why not fall from off his throne and say to Paul, Paul, I need to meet this Jesus today. I can't answer that. But this I do know. Somewhere in Felix's tortured reasoning was the thought that whatever was holding him back would possibly not be there on some future day. For even while his hands were shaking and tears filled his eyes, even while conviction created a moment for an eternal shift, he spoke some of the saddest words that you'll find on the pages of your Bible. In Acts 24 and 25, this is what he said, go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. What was he saying? I, I've had all I need for today. I, I don't really want to change. I just wanted to feel something. Go on ahead. I don't need any more of that right now. I'm good for today. I've pacified my conscience for now. I think I can ignore God's calling for the next few days. And when things are different, I'll call for you. When I have a convenient time, I plan to really give my life to Jesus. Now is just the wrong time for me. Now is not easy. I'm going through some stuff right now. I've got some issues to sort out right now. Uh, this is just not a good time for me and my family. This is not the right season. And at some point, the excuses blur into a life lived without a significant moment in the presence of God. 
I feel compelled in the Holy Ghost to ask somebody here today under the sound of my voice, what are you waiting for? Well, pastor, you're coming a little strong. It's just my first time in church, but God's drawn you here. He's been dealing with you way before you ever walked into this building. And the Lord is calling you and saying, surrender to me. Give me your life. Let me save you. Let me heal you. Let me deliver you. There are three things that I notice in this story that I'd like to point out today. Number one, as has already been stated, ideal conditions never come. Every day has its own distractions. Every day has its own excuses. Every day has its own reasons not to let that be the day that you really give your all to God. I like the way Jesus put it. In his sermon on the mount in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 34, look at what he says. He says, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What was he saying? Very simply, every day has its own trouble. Even more broken down. If you try to say, well, I just got to get through this thing here today, preacher. I promise you there'll be something that tomorrow you got to get through. Today's troubles are today's troubles. And tomorrow will have its own set of troubles. So if you're looking for a day that's trouble free so you could give your life to Jesus, it doesn't exist. Every day presents its own set of challenges and obstacles and reasons to not step forward into what God has for us. But can I tell you, if you allow it, one day will blur into another and to another and into a week and into a month and into a year. And if you're not careful, into a life. One missed opportunity blurs into another missed opportunity. And that then blurs into a pattern of missed opportunities. And if you're not careful, you'll live a life of missed opportunities. I'm telling somebody here today that will hear what the Holy Ghost is saying. Today is your opportunity. Today is the day to make things right with God. Today is the day that you repent of your sins. Today is the day we say, Pastor, I've been fighting it, but I want to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Today is the day where you say, I'm coming back to the apostolic church. I'm coming back to the church that I was raised in. I'm coming back to the truth. I'm going to surrender to God. Today is your opportunity. all through the process all through this comes the echo of a man named Felix not right now if I were just a little bit older maybe somebody would say if I were just a little bit younger if my job would just straighten itself out if my home life would just get a little bit better If my background weren't so complicated, if I could just get my bills under control, somebody else says it, if I could just get my kids under control, good luck with that. (laughs) If I weren't so tired, if I just felt a little better, if I just had a convenient time, somebody here You've lived your life making excuses. That's actually one of the things that you've gotten really good at. I would change, but I would get out of this messed up relationship, but you don't understand. It's complicated. Excuses. Pastor, you know, I want to get baptized. I really do. 
You know, I've been, my wife and I were talking about it. We're thinking about it. But can I tell you, delayed obedience is disobedience. And I just feel, I didn't come mad today. I'm not angry with anybody. I'm not upset with anybody. If I'm upset with anything, it's the enemy that's destroying people's lives every day. And there's too many of us that are making excuses and saying one of these days my family and I are going to get it right. One of these days. Today is the day you may not have a convenient time. And I tell you that if you wait until everything is perfect before you really surrender to God, you will never surrender. If you wait until all of life is conducive to change, things will never change for you. If you delay until your environment is right and the planets align, so to speak, you'll never take the steps you need to get your life right with God. You got to do it today. I'm preaching to somebody because this just might be the last time you get to hear a message in church. And I'm responsible before God that I give you a message that you can respond to. Because I got to stand before God and say, Lord, that Sunday on March 5th, I preached my heart out. So-and-so just didn't want to surrender. I did it, Lord. I prayed, I fasted, I prepared the message, and I preached it with all my heart. But they decided that it wasn't a convenient time for them. But I'm preaching because there's still time. I'm preaching because if there's breath in your lungs, there's still an opportunity. I'm preaching to you today because your mom has been praying for you. Your cousins have been praying for you. This church has been praying for you. And those prayers brought you here and sat you on that seat so you could hear this preacher preach the gospel to you. God is calling you today can somebody lift up your hands to heaven I feel the Holy Ghost wherever you are in this building throw your hands in the air I feel an urgency in the spirit God is calling somebody here somebody's watching me right now on the line on YouTube God is calling you you've been going around looking for the right church he's calling you surrender give your life to him say now I'm coming back I'm going to serve God with whatever time I have left I'm going to give it to Jesus oh God ideal conditions may never come the second thing that you notice in the stories, Felix, he intended to respond to what he felt someday. I sincerely believe that at that moment, Felix intended to respond to what he was hearing someday. But the delaying tactic of the enemy allowed other hungers to well up inside of him. What do you mean? Let's go to verse 26 of Acts chapter 24. Look at what it says. Meanwhile, this is talking about Felix. He also hoped that money would be given him by Paul. That he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often. And conversed with him. You know that person that's always calling you? And you're like, I wonder what they want. You know what they want. Cousin, I just wanted to see how you were doing. My favorite brother, my favorite sister. Felix was like, go get Paul. Again? Yeah, go get him again. And every time Paul came, he was hoping Paul would say, you know what? I know some people. I got some money hidden. You know, if it's yours if you let me go. You see, the longer you delay, the less conviction you feel, and the more other things are able to get a hold of your heart. Because there was a moment that God had Felix's heart. There was a moment 
that God was dealing with Felix and he could feel it and he trembled and he shook and tears were welling up in his eyes, but he kept pushing off the conviction. He kept pushing off Paul's message and Paul's testimony. And so the more you push God away, the less of a grip he has on your life and the more susceptible you are for money, the love of money, which is the root of all kinds of evil and the things of this world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life can sink their grip into your heart and to your mind. But somebody needs to hear me today while you're still feeling what you're feeling you need to come to him and so pretty much he sought a bribe you see in short he learned how to handle those visits with Paul no more trembling no more tears no more conviction just an attitude of, what can I get out of this? Can I tell you, my dear brothers and friends, it doesn't take all that long at Delane until we get real good at handling church. Altar calls don't bother us anymore. The preaching doesn't move us. The Spirit of God doesn't convict us like it used to. No, we get comfortable with what used to trouble us. We handle the moves of God. Shouting, crying, worshiping, we know just how to ignore it. And soon, if we're not careful, we come only for what we can get from it. How is God going to bless me today? What is God going to give me today? What can I get from this experience today? All the while, the voice of God is saying, this is a day that I would like not so much to work for you, but to work on you, to work in you, and to work through you. Can I ask you a question? How long has it been since you gave yourself into the rec a reckless abandon into a moment at the altar? How long has it been since tears poured down your face because conviction gripped your heart? How long has it been since you realized that the word of God was speaking directly to you at that moment and all your excuses and all your delays and all your not nows melted from your heart? Can I tell you today is one of those moments why, why, why is the pastor preaching like this when we got one of the best crowds we've had in a while want to know why exactly because of that because every soul in this room matters to God every individual under the sound of my voice however much experience you have with Christianity, however much experience you have or don't have with the apostolic church right now does not matter. Your soul and your eternal destiny matters to almighty God. And can I also tell you, it matters to this preacher. It matters to this church. I want you saved. I want you and your children saved. I want you and your family saved. I want to see you in heaven. And so I'm reaching to you today by the word of God and by the Holy Ghost. I'm preaching to Felix today. I'm preaching to someone who knows deep inside that church has become a habit instead of your lifeline. I'm preaching to somebody that ideal conditions don't exist. Today is the day of salvation. And now, according to the scriptures, is the accepted time. Today, my friend, you got to make up in your mind. I want what this preacher is talking about. I'm not so sure with all this religious stuff. I'm not so sure with, with all these things. But there's one thing I, I do know. I need to be saved. I need my sins washed away. I need my conscience clear. 
I want to live without having to look over my shoulder all the time. I want to walk guilt-free. I don't want to live in fear any longer. I want to know that if my life were to end, I know exactly my destination. I know exactly what waits awaits me in the life to come. And can I tell you, you can have that guarantee today if you will give your life to Jesus young person that's sitting here that's saying well I got plenty of time that's not guaranteed you don't know that God is reaching you God is calling you today is the day of salvation the third thing that we need to know is that time is a limited commodity because as much as we'd like to ignore the fact time is not a limitless resource. None of us have an unending progression of tomorrows to depend on. Oh, preacher, I've got tomorrow. I've got one day from now. You never know. Jesus is calling you. I was preaching in Bakersfield, California. I think I've shared this testimony before. I was preaching in Bakersfield, California. There was a young Hispanic young man that grew up in the church, walked away from God. And I was preaching a series of services that week in that church. And the young man just happened to sneak into the back of the service. And I preached a message similar in the sense of God calling people to surrender their lives to him. And I just felt that urgency to then like I feel today. It was my heart was pounding as I was preaching like it is right now. And I was preaching and I, I, I didn't know that young man was there till the altar call. His mom brought him down and she said, preacher, can you pray for my son? He, he used to come here and, and I invited him to this revival and, and could you pray for him? And I laid my hands on him and as I prayed for him, I began to weep and I didn't know why I was weeping. I just began to weep and I began to pray over him and and he began to move a little bit, and I can see his chest going up and down as he was getting overwhelmed by the love of God and the mercy of God that was working in his life. But he turned around, and he went back to his seat, and he walked out the door. Well, I went to another activity not that far from that area almost a month later, and the youth leader approached me. He said, Brother, do you remember when you came to Bakersfield? I said, Yes, I remember. It wasn't that long ago. I go, Yes, I remember. He said, well, there was a young man in that service that you prayed for. I said, okay. He said, well, a couple of days later, I think it was a midweek, that Friday night, he went out and he went drinking and he got in his car and he drove 126 miles an hour in his vehicle. And he ran into another car and he killed the people in that car. One of them was a daughter of a well-known pastor in that community. And so they wanted to hang that poor young man for him taking the lives of that young lady and her friends in that vehicle. And that young man got life in prison without the possibility of parole for vehicular manslaughter, but he had a chance. I went home after I heard that at that other service I was in and I wept because I knew God was reaching to that young man in that service. I remember thinking, if that sermon was for that one young man, then it was enough. I feel that similar urgency right now. I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, but I feel that same intensity for somebody that stumbled into this church here today. I don't know. I pray I see you next Sunday. I pray that you make it out again here before this year is over to another service, but none of us know. God is calling you. Time is not on your side. Tomorrow, somebody said, are an illusion. Tomorrows are an illusion created by the expectations we so casually enjoy. We turn today into a party of self-indulgence, self-pity, and of self-absorption. And the excuse that is repeated throughout this thing is in a convenient time, I'll change. But as the musicians come, but the voice of scripture 
comes to us and invades that type of thinking. Look at what Psalms 90 and 12 tells us. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What was the psalmist saying? The psalmist was saying, Lord, I can start the countdown right now. Because I don't have very many days. He says, so teach us so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Your and my days are numbered. Your and my days are numbered. There is an expiration date on your life, whether you would like to admit it or not. Three years ago till this very weekend, the world was living however it wanted to live. People were taking their vacations. People were going all over the place, wherever they wanted. And then in a matter of days, the world shut down. We didn't know it. We didn't see it. There's a lot of supposed prophets three years later that are saying, oh, I saw it. No, you didn't. The Lord allowed all of our eyes to be clouded to not see what was coming. And then everything changed. The world still is not the same. So who's to say that things for you and me won't keep changing? Teach us to number our days. James chapter 4 verse 14 says, Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. That's the Spirit of God speaking to the Apostle James here. He's saying, you can't, you can't promise that tomorrow's going to come. Because our life is simply like a vapor that's here for a while. But as time goes on, we all will vanish away. I can't tell you how many more church services we will have. I can't tell you how many more church services you will have. I can't tell you how many more altar calls we will be allowed to have for you to either ignore or respond to them. But I can tell you that one whose name is true and faithful, who has never lied, whose words are forever settled in heaven, closed his book with his final words being, Behold, I come quickly. The sounding of the trumpet will forever seal the deal. Pastor, I have plenty of time. You don't know that. Pastor, I'm young. I have my whole life ahead of me. You don't have that guarantee. Pastor, I still have a lot to accomplish first you may not get that chance your tomorrows are not promised ideal conditions don't exist and there's a weight in my spirit today to tell somebody give your life to Jesus today get right with God today repent for the things that you've done today consecrate your life to God today surrender your life to Jesus today because today is the day of salvation stop waiting for ideal conditions. Time is rushing toward the conclusion of all things and then suddenly everything will come into focus. There is no waiting for another season for the, all the seasons according to your Bible are nearly completed. Felix you're just about out of chances. No matter what you've been waiting on, it doesn't deserve another delay. If you're looking for convenience, today is it. There has never been a more convenient time to give your life to Jesus than right now. 
there has never been a more convenient time for you and your family to serve Jesus than right now. Now is the time to serve him. Now is the time to get involved in the church of Jesus. Now is the time to become an apostolic. Now is the time to have your sins washed away in the waters of baptism. There will never be an ideal moment for you to make things right with God. To get back on track. To give your life to Jesus being baptized in his name. Can I tell you today can be that day. This service can be that service that everything changes for you. One of the things I love to hear when I talk to people that have been serving God for a while is when they tell you, I remember I went to a service. Love that story. And whatever the background is, they say, I went to a service. I was invited. I stumbled in. Somebody forced me, whatever the case was. But Jesus touched me. He delivered me from drugs, delivered me from alcohol. I love, I love, I love, I love those testimonies. And can I ask, is there anybody in this room that has that kind of testimony? Is there a brother or a sister in this building? I, I went to one of those kind of services. Maybe it was here. Maybe it was somewhere else. But I went to a service just like that. And Jesus got a hold of me. He filled me with his spirit. He changed my life. And I gave my life to him. And I never looked back. That's what Jesus can do. And I just feel today in the Holy Ghost uh, that this service uh, can be one of those kind of services uh, for somebody in this sanctuary where everything turns around for you, where everything changes in your favor. We don't know what happened to Felix, but what we can gather from the story is that the convenient time never came. And it rarely does. I need to make up in my mind, I'm going to do it today. I'm going to surrender today. I'm going to give my life to Jesus today. I'm going to ask for baptism today. I'm going to come back to God today. I'm going to finally forgive today. I'm going to let go of that hurt and that resentment today. I'm going to walk away today from all of those worldly influences. I'm going down to that altar today. And I'm going to let Jesus have my life. I'm going to let the Lord use me like he's been wanting to. I want it to happen today. I'm no longer going to wait for ideal conditions. Ideal conditions don't exist. Make up your mind that you're going to do it today. Surrender to Jesus today. I wonder right where you're seated, if you could close your eyes, bow your heads, if you feel the liberty to do so, lift your hands to heaven all over this sanctuary. And I want us to pray. Those of you that love to intercede for other folks, I want you to help me intercede right now. And begin to pray for the hands that are lifted and the hearts that are being touched. If you love souls, could you help me pray just for a moment? Because lives and hearts are being turned right now. If God is dealing with you, if something in this message has touched your life, you can close your eyes and you can lift your hands and say, Jesus, I know you're talking to me. I'm here, Lord. God, if you're real, that's how many of us started praying. God, if you're real, if that's really you, then come into my life. You can pray that way. Many of us have prayed that way. God, if this, if this preacher is really telling me the truth, then you come in to my life. Change me. Settle the things in my heart. That's it. Come on, come on, come on. The Holy Ghost is moving. 
God's touching somebody watching this service right now that as you are seated the Holy Ghost is speaking to you you're feeling the word of God reach your heart let it happen right where you are in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth I'm no longer waiting for ideal conditions Oh, I feel an urgency in the Holy Ghost. I feel an urgency in the Holy Ghost. Oh, there's a young person that thinks they have all the time in the world. God's talking to you. There's a goal-oriented single adult that says, I got a lot more to accomplish still yet, Pastor. God is talking to you. There's somebody that's been running from God and saying, now is not the time. God is talking to you today. I no longer want to wait for ideal conditions. I'm going to do it today. I'm going to give my life to Jesus today. I'm going to make things right today. I wonder if you could stand with me right now. And here's what I'd like to do. If you're here in this room today and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never been baptized in water in Jesus' name for the forgiveness of your sins, but you feel God speaking to you, I'm not saying that we're going to baptize you right now. No one's going to force you. No one's going to push you. But you haven't given your life to Jesus yet. But you feel God speaking to you in this message. Maybe it's your first time in this service or you've been here several times. But you feel God speaking to your life. I want you to come and stand right here and let me pray for you. That's all we want to do. I just want to pray. I want to pray for you. Why don't you come down? We have some brave folks coming. Why don't you come and just stand right here? Never been baptized before, preacher, but God's dealing with me. Come, come, look at they're coming. Come. Can we thank the Lord as, as they're coming down this altar to stand for prayer? That's all we want to do is pray for you. That's all we're going to do. You can decide today but today all I want to do is pray. I want to pray. It doesn't matter where you are, how old you are, where you come from. But you've never given your life to Jesus. You don't have to be afraid. We all came to a service for the first time. We came into a church thinking a lot of different things, but God got a hold of us. Somebody else, come, come, down, come down and stand here. God's dealing with you. We're all at different places in our understanding of God, but we all need to be saved. Come down. I'll wait a, just a little bit longer for you. God bless these people that are coming. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. Come down. Come down. Come down. There's no better time to surrender to Jesus than today. Come down. Come on. There's room for you at this altar. After Jesus, you're the most important person in this building. The church needs to hear that. I said, after Jesus, our friends and guests are the most important people in this building. Now, there's still room at this altar. If you need to come back to God, you say, preacher, I used to serve God at one time with all of my heart, but some stuff has happened. And I, somehow in all of this, I got disconnected. Maybe it's been a few weeks, a few months, or some years, I don't know. But you want to get reconnected with God. Why don't you come down and fill in these areas here on the sides? Whoever you are, come, come. We've all been there. Come down. They're coming. God bless you. Come. We got some area here on the sides. Come down, come down. We've all been there, right, church? Life happens. It happens to all of us. 
We go through difficulties. Relationships fall apart. Friendships break down. Things happen. We go through hardships financially, emotionally, physically. Our health declines and somehow we get disconnected. But God is here to restore you and you can get reconnected and recommitted back to Jesus. He's a savior, but he's also a restorer. Are there any witnesses in the building that he has power to even restore? My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Anybody else? Need to get reconnected? Need to get recommitted? All right. Now I need some Holy Ghost-filled men women, young people to come up and find somebody here and help me pray. Can we do that, church? Can we mobilize a little bit here? I need some brothers and some sisters, some young people. We have some young people up here, some juniors up here as well. Can come down here and find somebody and help me pray because we're going to pray. We're going to ask God's blessing to fall over everybody at this altar. Wherever you find yourself today, if it's your first time, or you're coming back to him. doesn't matter where you are. Jesus sees you. He loves you. We love you. And we want to see God's very best happen in your life. Come on, come on. I got a gentleman up here right here all by himself. Thank you, Brother Tony. There's some juniors right here. Come, come. There's a young lady right here in the front all by herself. Somebody come. Don't leave anybody standing alone here at this altar. Because the Spirit of God's already working. Through His Word, He's spoken, and not through His Spirit, He's going to minister to every heart. And with the ministry of the saints that are here, God's going to use you, and God's going to touch these lives. If you're at this altar here today, could you close your eyes, and could you lift your hands to heaven right now? Those of you that are in the sanctuary, could you help us by praying, lifting your hands and lifting your voice to the Lord right now? Those that are at this altar, close your eyes and lift your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, let your love and your power come and move in every one of these hearts and every one of these lives today. In the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Ghost, have your way, Lord in every heart and every life you know Jesus the challenges you know the struggles that they're facing but you love them God you love them Jesus move right now move in their lives today by the power of the Holy Ghost would you save would you deliver would you restore God in Jesus mighty name that's it in Jesus mighty name 